0: You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love Main Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristelle, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where everybody is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at Aristelle.com.
1: Rob Witten is the founder of Witten Architects, a residential architecture firm based in Portland, and Todd Richardson, a landscape architect, is the owner of Richardson & Associates in Saco. Thanks for coming in today.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Rob, you and I have had a conversation or two before, but Mm -hmm. on the radio. uh, Todd, you and I have just met. You have both been working together on some interesting projects, I hear.
3: Yes. And yes. that's
1: why we wanted you to come in today, is to really talk about the, the collaboration between the types of work that each of you are doing to create nice spaces for people. Right. So how did you come to start working with one another?
3: You know, I've been looking for a landscape architect that was a complement to our, our residential practice, someone that really understood the sort of main vernacular, the main tradition, and what made Maine have a, sense, a special sense of place, and um, someone said, you should talk to this guy, Todd, so I did, and we started collaborating on a project, and 10, 12 years ago, Todd? Yeah, at least. Yeah, so when the subject was collaboration, the first person that came to mind was you. I said, great, here's a guy that can finish my sentence. Perfect, (laughs) you know.
1: Well, that is good, and I'm not sure everybody, I think people understand what an architect might do. Todd, tell us, what does a landscape architect do?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people do not understand uh, what we do. The The joke in the profession is that we all drive drive green trucks, but that's obviously not the case, although I do have a truck. Um, is it green? It's not green. Oh. Um, but anyway, I think the analogy that could be used is, you know, Rob's role as an architect is to design a building. Uh, my role as a landscape architect is to design a landscape. So that's the level of work that we do is focused on design i mean we certainly develop construction drawings and have construction administration associated with what we do but i think like an architect would design a building we would design a landscape and those landscapes can be of various types the common work that rob and i share is focused on our residential work for sure
3: yeah and I, i like bringing todd in as early as i can so um oftentimes a potential client will reach out to us and will explain that we would like to meet them on the site they're considering because that means as much to us in many respects as their program of spatial needs. And it can also really define the type of house they're, they're looking for. And ideally, Todd can be part of that initial meeting, because um, we read a landscape one way, Todd reads it another. And I think it would be, I value his input. Um, and there's, there's sort of, there's assets and there's liabilities to every 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 site and every uh, project. And so the trick is to turn those liabilities into assets if possible. And I think Todd's really wonderful at that.
1: So describe what, what would a liability and an asset of, of, I guess there's two possibly separate things, but what would that mean?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that um, the... Mm-hmm up of optimism that Rob talks about where a constraint might be turned into an opportunity I think is really the frame that you, how you view it I guess. And so for us getting on a site early and I think Rob hit a point that I think is really valuable in the work that we do together that it starts early. It's not something where we would come in at the tail end of a project and there'd be a couple issues that the architect uh, may be asking us to address. I think with with the work that we do with Witten Architects. It's terrific in that the conversation starts early and it starts at the conceptual level, and often that's paired with visiting the site together, and often that's without clients, uh, which has its benefits, Uh, both do, but I think it's great to get on the site with Rob to talk about what we're seeing and what what things really strike us as drivers for a particular project, what what are the opportunities, you know, constraints um, can be many. I think that sites and sites are more and more challenging. That can align mm-hmm. with regulatory constraints as an example, you know, setbacks or critical resources that obviously need to be respected. Um, other examples might be runoff or drainage or steep slopes that begin to put some building blocks around where you might not choose to site a house. But I think that we take those in in light of where the real opportunities are, and we gravitate the project to to the the place on the site where we can find the most opportunities and make the most of the project.
3: Yeah, oftentimes, we we as we approach a site, I love Google Earth because it gives us this great overview. You sort of see it from a mile up, and you see big patterns, and you see big relationships, and you can really see it in a very macro way that, thanks to doing this for a number of years, <laughs> I can kind of read that landscape um, and that site and get a feel for it. The other thing that happens oftentimes is Maine is over 300 years old. The good sites got picked early, you know, and the first comers get get choice. So if if you're dealing with a new site today, it's been passed over probably many times. And so whether you have to be more creative and more inventive to make that site really work for the family whose home you're designing. and I think that again plays right into landscape. So it could have unstable coastal bluffs. It could have wetlands. It could have soils problems that are creating other issues. So uh, its exposure could be bad. It's, now it's a northwest slope, and the best slope is southeast. So okay, how do we how do we design for that? You know, how, how do we work with that? So if the view is to the northwest, I want a house that's long and narrow, so the sun's on your back as you're looking at the view. I mean, it's just and again playing with that. And and I I I really love. Because Todd will, will have a grade problem, and he'll be like, oh, here's an opportunity. We can manage the grade with a series of uh, subtle manipulations, whether it's Todd loves bringing in large native boulders, and they just become part of the landscape, and it's like they've always been there. Uh, one of our sites that we worked on together was a, a pond that was so pristine. It was a trout hatchery, and we had fairly big interventions on that site. At the end of the day, it looks like it always had been just like that. So, it's, it's kind of fun to think about.
1: So, how, so an intervention, I'm assuming, is something that disrupts like things. Like dynamites? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty interventionist, right? Yeah. So, how, Todd, would you keep something like a pristine pond intact so that the people who are going to move into a house on that site can enjoy it and the people and the creatures that are using the pond yeah. already don't stop enjoying it?
2: Yeah, I, I think that begins with the conversations that we might have early on in the process where we identify it as a real asset and then I think you know the the extent to which one goes to preserve or conserve that I think becomes how we begin to talk not only amongst ourselves but uh, with a client as well because part of the role from the beginning moving forward is educating our clients as to what some of those values are and beginning to paint a vision for a project that puts value in protecting uh, the pond, or mm-hmm. a boulder, or, or a cluster of trees, which, you know, truth be told, would be easier to take down or to roll over to do that. And I think right. what we're able to do is talk at the ground level about what will make this project great. And I, I think that one of the things that Rob and I uh, focus on collectively and collaboratively is. Many times it's the things that you preserve and that you reveal that ultimately make the project. I mean, there's certainly some things that are brought to the project, about a house and some landscape. But I think fundamentally it starts with some of the core things that are pivotal in the project, some existing condition that really inspires the direction um, for the project. And when we got excited about that and started thinking about ways to design with that, not against that, but with that, and then fold our client into the process, um, I think that's where some of the magic takes place.
3: Yeah, and it, it is fun to, to, as they say, have this overview, this Google view, the mile view, mile high view, and then to have identified perhaps some things that will influence the design of the house or the landscape, and then to have that information in hand and then go visit the site for the first time. This is really kind of like, it's, it, there's always a revelation like, oh, that's a cranberry bog. Cool. You know, that means wonderful color, wonderful fruit, wonderful bird life. It also means you. it's a wetland, so... We understand that, you know, but it, again, it can become this great asset. Whereas, perhaps uh, an unsympathetic person could say, "Well, oh, it's just a swamp," you know. But no, it's a it's a wonderful resource, um, and so we, we really enjoy things like that. Uh, the other thing is to try to visit the site with Todd, but also to visit it with a client, so you can see the site through their eyes. So you can see what they saw, why they're buying it, what it means to them, you know. Um, or there's some things that they're particularly focused on, and and oftentimes it's 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 helping educate a client. So you could say, what part of the site do you really like? What's the best part of the site for you? Is this you know is this why you bought it? And then you say, well then let's not put the house right on top of it. Let's let it be beside the house. So it's still the best part of the site, and the house gets to share it. And there's this real synergy now between the house and the landscape. And I think that 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 when that starts to work together. Um, We've recently done a project um, in a pretty well established coastal community, and there was a older home that wasn't a good fit, didn't serve the family very well, didn't have good inside outside living spaces in a principally a summer recreational community. And when we all finished, I'd like to think we have a house that fits it respects its context. it really feels like it has been there, and everybody's enjoying the outside living there you know I I mean. It's it's always fun when you go in a house and it's under construction you say so where do the guys have their lunch you know th- they get to pick they get to pick the room with a nice view with a nice sun with a nice exposure so it's always kind of fun it, it's very telling you know it's like where's the dog lie in the sun okay right there you know so you you, you i just i think that kind of information you get somehow from nature is really influences the way we can make a lot of design decisions
1: I remember having a conversation about the sun mm-hmm. and how you can never really know the way that the sun is going to be in a building until you've lived in a place for a full year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very, very much an inside-outside um, element. How do you design around something that you won't be able to actually experience but is clearly very important to the people who are going to live in that structure?
2: Yeah, I would um I would answer that by saying there there is a some ways, techniques to understand generally what the sun might yeah. be telling us about morning light, midday light and afternoon light. And I think that uh Rob, I think it was you that said people are drawn to light in the yeah. home and outside and I think that's important. I think it's it's maybe as important or more important for people that cherish Maine and come to Maine because they really like the outdoors, uh, many of them. So I think really understanding what is the south aspect, what's the early morning light, and then designing kind of a reciprocity between indoor and outdoor spaces so that their living can flow seamlessly inside and outside. And I I think that's an interesting way that Rob and I have often talked about the work that we do, and that is uh, less about the Divisions between architecture and landscape. I mean, Rob's a terrific architect. I'm a landscape architect. We have our roles and responsibilities in a project. But I think sort of eroding some of those differences and really focusing on some of the commonalities um, really makes a lot of sense early on in a project. So we're thinking more holistically about a place and the qualities of place. So the light to which you refer, I think, is not an architecture conversation or a landscape conversation It's really born out of a conversation that says, you know, how do we want to collectively maximize our clients' opportunity to really relish and enjoy the sun here? So uh, where the entrances are, where indoor-outdoor living and eating might occur are a couple ways in which we would focus on that.
3: Yeah, we we really think about it from the very beginning. And um, we actually, on every project, all our work is site-specific. We show the client in the very beginning a site plan showing where the prevailing breezes are. You know, here come the tropic storms that are going to hit here in March and November. They come from the east. They're loaded with moisture. They come from the northeast. The prevailing summer breezes are southwest. The big polar highs in the winter are coming out of the northwest, and they're cold and they're dry. So it's just getting them to think that they have a, they bought a piece of nature. And now we have to design a house that works with nature. And also, we love Main precedent, the vernacular precedent. Um, all of Maine was off the grid until <laughs> 1900, let's say. So, how they use their resources, how they use the sun, how they organize their day, how they organize their workspace, where the families lived. Uh, th- there's a lot to be learned from that. So, you know, we 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 like that precedent. And so, you know, the house has a bigger allegiance to the sun than than the road, for example. I mean, the sun is really fundamental and. Ideally, if you're warm, dry, and comfortable and your health is good, you have a sustainable house and the sun is a huge player in that um so we we think about that a lot I mean that's number one for us and you know i it's kind of funny here we are almost at forty four degrees north latitude. That's a huge player i mean that that's that's that and if someone's coming from away, you kind of have to educate them about that and um so it's just again, I, I like that process. I, I like I like having bigger forces help us make decisions because they'll be right at the end of the day.
1: As you're talking about this, it, I, I'm almost getting the sense of the house on the landscape as, as being its own, I don't want to say creature, but entity being. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And, and more of a living thing versus yeah. some like a structure.
3: Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. So you can bring nature in and, and so also, Maine has a pretty grim climate many times a year. So we have to protect you from it. But when it's nice, it's got to be accessible. You've got to get out into it. So, so it, it does have a dynamic quality. It is like an animal in a sense. It, it makes changes. And the other thing is you work with your building forms. Um, you can start to create these little microclimates. So here's this little sun pocket. Here's this, you know, the barn or the garage that's protecting you from that north wind. You know uh, you you just play with all those elements and and you end up, as I say, with a a happier, better place to live. It's really what it amounts to um.
1: Tell me about I, I know you've had some recent projects and um, some that Main home design has been particularly mm-hmm. interested in that you've worked on together. Tell me about one of your favorites that you've worked on and uh, what that process was like for you.
2: Uh, I can talk to the Spurwink retreat. I think that for yeah. me, that's a, a really great project that was meaningful from a number of perspectives. I think, and I'll talk to the collaboration as being one of those, but I think also just an outstanding site and a terrific client. I think that yeah. was the sort of trifecta, if you will, there, but one of the aspects of that project that was terrific on this end was the call that Rob placed to me early when his office was getting on board with the project. and we began to get on board and Rob said could you come up to the office we're going to do a charrette where we're going to everyone in the office is going to participate in thinking about this project and putting some ideas out as a way to generate a departure point for the conversation and we'd like you to be a part of that and it was just a, a memorable morning or afternoon I forget what it was where Rob's office really to me demonstrated a clear understanding of Site and building, and the relationships between the two, and it was a really it was an open forum for for me to contribute um, to the work that they were doing and help uh, sow some seeds early on in the process. So so the beginning of that project was, I think, fundamental to the outcome of that project. To be honest with you, I think it was the early days that the collaboration really began to talk about the direction and the vision of mm-hmm. how the building and the site would become uh, kind of synonymous with each other. And I think you know that worked um, tirelessly to every detail, including materials that started on the inside and moved right to the outside and mm-hmm. walls that literally slid away so that the landscape flowed through the house. So I think there's a couple exemplary outcomes that I really think were talked about not from day one but in the early part of the process so that was a that was a really great one for me.
3: yeah, and uh, it was a
2: really significant project, but
3: at the same time we both of us together took on a, my office. Uh, Russ Tyson works closely with me in my office, and he was project architect on that. But it was a, a house on a lake in Maine, in Western Maine. And it was a totally unsympathetic, what shall I say, a, an uninspired, vinyl-clad house. Uh, and it just destroyed the landscape. And uh, our client approached us and said, I want to make it different. And we stepped up and did that in terms of design of the house. But most of all, it was Todd's remediating, really, of a landscape that could have been lovely once. But boy, when we got there, it was just runoff right to the lake, uh, no features at all, uh, really hostile. You couldn't be out in that landscape, because it was, particularly in the summer, because it just was bright and sunny, and you felt very exposed. Uh, And by the end, unsolicited we got an uh, office received an award from the Lakes Commission for doing all the right things.
2: (laughs) Yeah that project was um, really interesting in terms of the the clients standing in front of the house early Mm -hmm. on and saying you know this just doesn't fit how can we make this fit I mean look at the context here and what we're looking at I think that you know Rob's office really worked hard to transform quite honestly almost a suburban character home It was on a beautiful lakeside into just a tremendous lakeside cottage and you know our mandate was to integrate it and make it fit so um, we used a lot of native plants, we addressed some of the runoff challenges which you know being right on the lake's edge to think of what was happening and how that could change we were really excited about that and we had the support of the client and wove together a lot of aspects of the indoor-outdoor living so I think we uh, the house did a 180 overall, and yeah, the landscape exactly. followed.
3: Yeah, so. so it was a complete turnaround. The other thing that, uh, un- as yet unacknowledged, is the collaboration we get with both the builders and the installers, and again, there's a wonderful sense of main craft. Um, uh, we're fortunate in that we don't have to tell them how to do it right. Inherently, I think they want to do it right, and if your budget is sufficient, they can do it right. And and um, we will be advocates for doing it right. And we're we're not disappointed. Um, and I think there's a sense of pride and there's a sense of continuity. And the other thing that we both are fortunate, we tend to work on what I'll call sustainable projects because they are going to stay with this family for a long period of time. It's not a short cycle. It's not a five-year cycle. It's a 30-year cycle, or it's the next generation. So it's really fun to 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 plan and think that way, and it's also fun to watch Todd's landscapes mature, and it's fun to watch our houses age a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we, when we photograph them for the magazine, we don't photograph them day one, we like to give them a year, you know, let them get seasoned, let them, let them become assimilated, let them become part of Maine, and then then there's just something special that goes on,
2: yeah.
3: and so it's, again, it's that sense of the time is an important continuum here.
2: I'd like to echo something that Rob said that I think is really fundamental and that is, you know, we're having a conversation here with two principals of two offices, but as Rob alluded to, I think the notion of collaboration extends beyond Rob and I. Um, I think yeah. both our offices fundamentally operate that way and benefit from that process, but to Rob's point about how contractors and owners, the if the team of collaborators is broader and they really understand not just the content but the intent of what the project is i think that it serves the project really well and i I think that um i think i can speak for both of us really trying to nurture that sense of the more holistic team collaborating and uh i don't know if that's selfish or not but i think the outcome is far better when you get people that really understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and um, i think we've seen terrific results Working with builders and craftsmen and suppliers and our own staff and our offices to make that all come together. So I, I think it's that's collaboration with a capital C. I think.
3: Yeah, and, and the sense of place can really be reinforced by the materials you use and how you use them. And I, th- I think Maine has this abundant supply of, you know, stone and wood and uh, craftsmen to work with the products. Um, and it's it's fun. It's really fun. Um, and it's I think what's exciting for us now is. There's the palette has grown. There's more and more materials to work with, and there's better performing, more sustainable, more durable materials to work with. Um, and I, th- I think that it's a very exciting time, quite honestly, to be an architect.
1: How about you, Rob? Do you have any particular favorite projects that you've worked on with Todd that you've that you can think of as being exemplary? Well,
3: well, it's always the next project, you know. That's that's <laughs> the optimism that drives us all. Um, I do, but they're all very, very different, you know? Um, I I think it's the seamlessness between Todd has an ability to understand the architectural intent, and his responses really reinforce what we're designing. So whether it's, um, you know, Grady's Lake or Spurwink Retreat or um, a recently completed project up in Yarmouth, it just... They, they fit, they belong. Uh, I think at the end, also to sort of have the owner say, gee, I didn't know where you guys are going, perhaps. We like to think we're good communicators. We, we'd like to think they know where they're going. But at the end, they're always pleased. You know, they're always really pleased where, where, where we are. Um, and, and the result is they, they do own these houses for a long period of time. You know, they, they really enjoy, they really settle in, they really fit. You know, um, So it's the fit, the collaboration that that's important.
1: Do you think that we went through a time where we were more um, thinking of ourselves as as protecting ourselves from the elements where we were building houses, so it's just sort of protection against the yeah. storm? Us awesome and them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, because the way you're describing it, it, it seems like a more natural back and forth. Right. But I've lived in many houses. Well, actually, I haven't lived in that many of them because I can't stand to be in that space too long, but I've been in industrial spaces mm-hmm. where it's like... We have to put these walls here because there's scary stuff on the outside of them, so we have to protect ourselves.
3: Um, Yeah. Uh, To a certain extent, if someone has an attitude like what you're describing, they wouldn't be attracted to our work. So there is a little bit of a self-selection that goes on here. Um, But I do think the materials are better. I think we can do a better job of making you warm, dry, and healthy in a house today than we could 20 years ago, five years ago just because it's gotten more sophisticated. And I I think people are thinking differently about how they live in houses. Uh, I I think they are thinking about their relationship with the house. Um, And so the the main climate is an enemy. Because we have better materials and better ways of designing, it's not quite as much of an enemy. We can can coexist better today. And that's that don't you think Todd? Yeah, I I don't I know. I think like we've a a made the right decisions. <laughs> you know, right. you and I
2: have made the right decisions and it's it's been carried through. I don't know if this is a subjective opinion about this, but you know, I feel that in Maine, um, we have unique clients. And I think that the at the end of the day, they're looking for something that really brings meaning to them and their family and connects them to place. And that's through the yeah. terrific architecture and the yeah. way that the site works. And you know, I uh, talk to colleagues outside of Maine, that's and true. I'm continually reminded that, wow, that's different. It's different in Maine. And I just think that the the people that come to Rob and my offices and uh, are really soulful about the way that they appreciate what Maine is and what makes Maine distinctive. I think that your magazine, you know this. Um, but I think that translates into architecture right. and landscape architecture and the way those two can perform together. It's really... What's the there there, and why are people coming to Maine and choosing um, to develop a property? And a lot of things matter. I think the quality of the materials, the exposure, I think all those are significantly important. But I think at the end of the day, those are contributors to that connection to the place that I think people are really longing for and yearning for when they they decide to come to Maine or decide to stay in Maine. So I I think that's a fun part of what we do is from the get-go, those clients are keenly interested in some things that we're passionate about and think we'd do well together. So, yeah.
3: The Spurwink Retreat Project that Todd mentioned, there was a house on that site, and it was a big site, but we were limited to a building envelope uh, that came with the property. Again, there's a constraint. Um, so it was, how can we make the best use of this portion we, we're working in? And um, our client had said that all the other houses he looked at and the house he was buying seemed to get in the way. In other words, it was an obstacle. It, wasn't a, it didn't protect him, but it was a, a barrier to his being able to reach out into the landscape. And so his early charge to us was, I want to feel like I'm connected to the landscape. Um, and I, I'd like to think that's why the house was such a success. We had a sympathetic owner. He was very clear in his wants. He's a very good communicator. And we provided it, you know, so.
1: Well, I'm fascinated by this topic, and I could really keep talking about it forever and ever because I think there's a lot of crossover between um, the way that I look at human beings and their mm-hmm. relationships with one another and my medical practice and the way that you're talking about people's relationships with the way that they live their mm-hmm. lives. I encourage people to read more about your projects in Maine Home and Design, and hopefully give you guys a call if they are feeling like they were equally um, soulful well, as <laughs> homeowners, home builders. I've been speaking with Rob Witten, who is the founder of Witten Architects, a residential architecture firm based in Portland, and Todd Richardson, a landscape architect, who is the owner of Richardson & Associates in Saco. Thank you so much for the work that you're yeah, doing, thank and you. um, I appreciate the time that you've come in today.
0: Thanks. Yep. Our pleasure. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristelle, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy, and our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.